Welcome to the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan, and this podcast is all about helping men to become unstuck in their lives and inspire and encourage them to move forward towards a life of strength, confidence, and inner fulfillment. So without further ado, here is today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to episode number 44 of the Modern Warrior podcast. Today I have Kale Flodin with me, all the way from Sweden, I believe. And Kale has been on a very interesting journey over the last few years. And I am very excited to have this conversation with him because I feel the journey he's taken on is very appealing and attractive to many of us who live in the civilized world, live in towns and villages uh, around people. Cali's way of living is is very different, very unique to to most people. And I want to get to grips with why he took that journey on, how he got to the point he's at today, and some of the lessons he's gained from his new way of living. So Callie has also got an amazing YouTube channel, so make sure you go and check it out. And he's also got his own podcast called My True North. So go check those out as well. Um, The YouTube channel is amazing and some brilliant episodes there to check out. So Callie, how are you, my man? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure and honor. And as I mentioned, I've been watching some of your videos on YouTube. Uh, I've gained a bit of an insight as to how your life is today, but I'm only seeing that through a video, obviously. So I would love to hear from your own words, your own perspective, and perhaps go back to the beginning in terms of how you came to be at this point right now. But before we get there, please explain to the listeners how you live your life today and then bring it back. Yeah. Yeah, sure. We'll start in the present then. I am uh, what most people see, uh, say kind of a simple man, maybe in the way it looks through YouTube, at least. Um, I live in a small cabin in the middle of the forest here in Sweden. Uh, it's about, where, what is it? 70 square meters or something. Uh, only power, power, powered by fire and we have electricity, but it's very... Yeah, unreliable sometimes as well. Um, So we live a quite simple life out here with no running water. And uh, it's just very simple. So it's very different from what I came from, which was the main capital of Sweden called Stockholm. Um, So the transition was quite enormous. So I think we're going to dig deeper into into that today as well. Yeah, that's, yeah, as I said, it sounds, to me, it sounds very enticing to other people. It sounds crazy i'm sure uh, to live in the middle of nowhere without any running water that's <laughs> something that we all take for granted here and uh, you have you actually have to work to to get water i, I believe i think i've seen in one of your videos there you were uh, um, had to get water from somewhere in a lake or, or something to to have a shower even something as simple as as again we take for granted here is is difficult for you to do so why why did you leave the capital, leave all those comforts, perhaps, all those conveniences to, to move out into the woods in the middle of nowhere 
where there's again no running water limited electricity and to live this very simple life what made you make such a a bold and brave move the transition came from a big change in my life um i had a, the apartment i had uh what do you call to call a normal job um i had the girlfriend i have everything you were like supposed to have if you can say so um but something still felt a bit wrong but i couldn't put, really put my finger on it i still just worked and lived my, with my girlfriend enjoyed life still of course i did um uh, but i felt a bit off track i didn't feel motivated to work i didn't feel motivated to earn money um so I had to make some sort of change, but then change, uh, change happened to me instead because the girlfriend broke up with me and I was in a position like, oh shit, okay, what do, I, what do I do now? Like I have my whole life, not depending on her, but um, it's, uh, yeah, it surrounds her basically. A big part of me is her. So when she left, a big part of me also disappeared, which I couldn't get back. Uh, and that was the start of a big journey trying to figure out who I would be without her. And that was really, really tricky. Uh, and I was put in a situation I didn't want to be in. I didn't ask to be in that situation either. Um, but my main goal from the beginning was actually to change who I was as a person and trying to become, actually trying to search for the person I was when she met me. Because that was the person that was more attractive to both her and other people around me. Um, as you know, like when you drift into a relationship for a long time, you can start becoming someone else. You can start taking each other for granted. Um, I, for once played a shitload of video games, um, uh, because I didn't like, I, that was my hiding place. I wasn't happy where I was, well, uh, where I was. So I had to disappear into something, some disappear into alcohol, some disappear into working and ex extreme amount. And I dived straight into video games and disappeared into that. And she, did, she didn't really see me and connected to me. So when she broke up with me, I had to like, okay, who am I now? Like, who, what role do I have in my own life? And that was a yeah, terrifying thing to like even open up. So I started quite soon to go to therapy um, because I realized I need professional help. I have a very supportive family. I have very supportive friends, but I needed someone to ask me, ask me professional questions so I can get out of my own bubble. Um, so that was actually the, the start of it all. She breaking up with me and I had to actually make a change without asking for it. And then at that point I came, we were abroad at, at the point she broke up with me. And then when I came back, I didn't have a job. I had a half an apartment, um, because she was paying for the other half. So I had to find a way to pay for her half as well. Um, then trying to find a job that was, that I found was fun. Um, so it was a lot of searching in the beginning. But what I did was just to, to, to survive. I, in, like, I, in, I think I invited all my friends over for dinner. Like I had a booking every night so I would keep company because I was not good at being alone at that point because I was so low. I think I lost like in two weeks, I lost, I don't know how much it was, 10 or 12 kilos or something, which is about 20, 25 pounds or something. Um, so I just vanished because I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I just completely depressed and very low down but that was also the start of something new so that was me starting to search for something yeah, more meaningful i guess and thanks to therapy um i found a job quite soon after that which i absolutely hated but i had somewhere to go at least and somewhere some way to earn money and then 
five months after that, by chance, I stumbled upon this cabin online uh, when I was searching for log cabins for sale. And then I found this place. Um, so yeah, that was the, the very um, small version of, <laughs> of a long and tough period. We can dig, dig deeper into it together, maybe. Just to give us some idea, how isolated are you from the from the, the nearest town or the or the nearest city? Like how far into the woods are you exactly? Or far we away? are half an hour from the like a semi big city um, where we do groceries and stuff, and that's half an hour by car. And on this road we're living, we have like what we call neighbors, but neighbors is usually the you know the houses you see. We don't really see people here. Uh, so the closest neighbor, I think you have to walk maybe 15, 20 minutes at least uh, to get to them. So it's quite far from everyone else, but we're not, you know, we have a road, we have a, mm -hmm. a mail coming by as well. So it's not completely off the grid. Um, you can see the, in our video conversation here, the light bulbs going out. So it's still yeah. um, connected to society in some way. And we have good connection to the neighbors as well. But so we're, if you look at the drone shots and if you look at my photography, you will see that it's just us and a lot of forest. And that's what it is. But it's, I think we're, I don't know, it's five or eight permanent residences on this road that is like five kilometers or something. So we're quite scattered, even though it's a big area. And when you went there first, you went there alone, yeah? Uh, yeah, the very, very first time when I actually drove up to, to look at it, uh, my dad came along. So I saw, I saw the place online on a Tuesday, and then we went up the, on Wednesday, the day after, and bought it, actually. So it was a very, very quick deal. Um, but in the beginning, I only went here during the weekends. So I was still in Stockholm, living there, and trying to like, uh, because I only bought this place as a summer house in the beginning. I was like, this is a perfect getaway to just escape the city, uh, relax a bit. But I ended up going every single week. So I quit my job at... Um, at the day, so this, or what do you call it? At my shift ended at like six o'clock or something on Fridays. I drove six hours to get here, so I ended up being here at around midnight. Hung out here all Saturday and half Sunday, and then drove six hours south again, and then being back in the apartment. I did that for I don't know eight, nine, ten months easily, almost every weekend. Um, but I also realized, like, okay, if I'm eager to <laughs> drive twelve hours a weekend. Maybe there is something here I should look into a bit more. Uh, and the turning point came when I had my, we had paid vacation here in Sweden, like three to four or five weeks. So uh, I got three weeks paid vacation and I spent every single hour here in the cabin. And when I came back to the store I was working in, like selling uh, footwear and sportswear store uh, clothing and stuff. And when I came back to the store, one of my colleagues said, like, oh, welcome back, Kalle. Uh, have you thought about that? It's like, a year now until you have uh, a, lo a long free time again, a vacation. I was like, oh, a year? Are you kidding me? Like, I knew that was reality, of course. I'm not stupid. But when that hits you, the reality of I have to stand in this store and sell shoes for a fucking year. And uh, that's not fun for me or anyone around me because I'm not going to be a good person. Uh, so on that day, I decided to quit. I didn't quit my job that day, but I decided like, okay, I need a few months to save up money. I'm going to spend absolutely zero in the city, just um, do the bare minimum and save up as much as I can, and then actually just move. And yeah, I did that five or six months later or something. 
very brave and to me hearing your story you're, you're coming off the back of a of a difficult breakup a very difficult breakup that had you feeling very depressed at the time and you mentioned one of your escapisms while you're in the relationship and perhaps after the relationship was was the video games and obviously an avoidance of of being alone because you were bringing your friends over every single night so you had to have people around you to perhaps help you feel better so you did the complete opposite there in terms of actually cultivating some time on your own on a regular basis by going six hours out of the city to this cabin in the middle of nowhere and do you feel that reflecting back on that 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 was sort of your or part of your healing process or, or, or a major part of your healing process throughout that throughout that time yeah absolutely i think i needed my friends in the beginning like i still need my friends but in the beginning i needed almost babysitting because i wasn't good to be alone when it was that the wound was so fresh um so my family stayed with me a lot uh, my friends came over with food we just ate and talked basically and then at some point through therapy um it went better and better and i could stay here a weekend by myself or a day here by myself uh, friends came with me to stay in the cabin as well but it was also a very hard experience for me because i didn't at the time have any internet out here at all so i couldn't when i was here i couldn't connect to instagram or facebook or whatever i was just it was me that was it <laughs> i couldn't download some audiobooks maybe and some podcasts but yeah that was it and that was absolutely terrifying in the beginning because i've occupied my brain and my emotions connecting them to uh, hanging out with friends, uh, doing the video games, like occupying my brain. And I think that's the biggest learning thing I've learned. The, yeah, the biggest lesson I've learned since I moved here, like being okay, being with my own thoughts. Today, I'm quite occupied, I would say, with stuff like work and recording my own podcast and hanging out with my uh, girlfriend that lives here now. So, but I've learned at least and accepted that I can be on my own. And that's perfectly fine, even though it's absolutely terrifying. I remember the first ever. Uh, birthday I spent here alone I turned what can I have been 28 or 29 I think I sat here and cried the entire day like non-stop crying um, because I remember that was half a year after the breakup and I was still very much in love with this girl and tried to find my way back to her which I was knew it was an impossibility but you know that's um, one stage of grief I think it's called like uh, the opposite of uh, acceptance that is like what is that called attachment um, or um yeah attachment or like not willing to let go or in yeah, in denial maybe that's the word for it i think yeah. uh, i was in denial that the relationship was over um so i remember sitting on my birthday turning 29 something um and just like cried my eyes out the entire day and i knew my family and friends were still there like in a distance calling and saying happy birthday and everything and they were so worried because they were they heard me crying but i realized i told them like i need to do this alone i need to be crying i need to be just airing this out even though it feels absolutely horrible um i think i cried a lot on that day also because i knew if it was going to be one day, she would be actually a bit maybe thinking of me would be my birthday because we'd be spending some years together and a date is kind of, you know, permanently inked in your calendar when you have uh, been with a person. So I think that date was very much connected to me and I was hoping and thinking that 
yeah, today's probably a day she's thinking about me. And that got me even more sadder. So. And she didn't, she didn't uh, wish you a happy birthday. No, I actually, um, when it was, I don't know, three months after we broke up, we had, um, we met up and I told her, I got help from my therapy to get <laughs> courage to say this, but like, this is because she wanted to keep a bit of friends at least, or at least a friendly tone with each other. But I, I couldn't because it was such an uneven relationship. She wanted friendship and I wanted way more than that. Uh, so I had to meet up with her and then we had a, what we call fika in Swedish. There's like pastries or coffee and tea or something. And we just sat down and I said, uh, this is the last time you're ever going to hear from me, or this is the last time you're ever going to see me because this is not an equal relationship. So I had to actually take the decision of saying um, goodbye, which was terrifying. Um, and on my way away from that coffee break or uh, hangout with her, I took up my phone and blocked her on every social media. I told her I was going to do this as well because I couldn't see her name or see, get to like a, a reminder of it. Um, so since then, we haven't heard. So I, I actually told her to not reach out, which was healthy for me because if I kept getting reminded is yeah that's not a healthy place to be in you needed that distance and that space to actually move move beyond her yeah and is that if if there's somebody listening to this today and they're perhaps going through this process of a breakup and i do i do get a lot of guys who do dm me on on instagram who are going through difficulties with a breakup is there something you can give them to to help them move past their their turmoil or their uh their depression around the the breakup of the of the relationship that you've experienced yourself. I would say don't be afraid to ask for help. If it, it can be a colleague, um, it can be some time off work from asking your boss. It can be a friend just asking if he or she can stay on a couch for a few days, just sleeping, over and hanging out. Uh, it can also be uh, asking for help, like I need help to keep this person, you know. In a distance, can you help me block this person? Um, so, just in general, ask for help because it's these kind of things. We're not supposed to be in it alone. I think being alone and being okay with that is also healthy, of course. But when it goes so deep and it's hurt so much, we're not supposed to be alone. We're tribal people, and we're supposed to be there for each other. Yeah, but then there comes a time when you do need to be alone as well. Try that process. You think? Yeah, if you feel safe with it, because it's uh, it's gonna feel scary, and that has to be okay. But it's, I think it's a balance of like, if it's too scary and it's like almost dangerous for you, if you're that you know depressed or low, um, I was never ever like suicidal or anything. But I was very 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 low that I didn't dare to be by myself because I didn't know what feelings or emotion would pop up because I was constantly just crashing, uh, physically and mentally. So I needed support in the beginning. But then I could take baby steps on my own. So yeah, being okay with like being with your own thoughts, that has to be okay. But when it's such a rough starting point, if you have a breakup or if you got fired or yeah, whatever it may be, that's the time you most often need help at least. And if you don't have that kind of friends, not everyone does that I, I have at least that, that kind of supportive friends, there's always professional help to seek out as well. Like going to therapy was one of the best things I ever did. A therapy can be, you know, a professional therapist. It can be a, a men's group. It can be, yeah, someone that has a professional angle on um, the process you're going through. Who it is, like who you, 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and I went to a woman for my therapy because I wanted a female perspective on my problem. Um, but if I would go to therapy today, I'm planning to go back now in uh, during winter time because I need to process some new uh, thoughts that I'm going through. And then I'm going to seek out a male therapist instead because I want a male uh, perspective on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's important to, to find that balance again. I've, I've been through my fair share of therapists too, and I did have a therapist who was a woman, and I still talk to a psychologist on a on a regular basis at the moment, and it's, he's a, a male psychologist, so I just, again, I needed the male perspective for what I'm processing at the moment and con- continue to process. And there's a lot of, at least there was, I think there still is a lot of shame attached to to therapy or to uh to seeing a psychologist on a on a regular basis or even for for a few visits um you know others there must be something wrong with you if you if you go into therapy there must be must you must have some big problems and there's a again a, a sense of shame that comes from this that obviously will hold you back from from making progress beyond the pain or struggle you're having so did you feel that at all? Did you feel any sense of shame by going to therapy? Did you feel helpless? Did you feel um, less of a man, perhaps, that you had to go to therapy? Was it, did you have to go through those emotions? Yeah, I think I went through those emotions very early, though. But it went over very quickly because I am a very emotional person. Um, I am have very very feminine features in me, I think, uh, very connected to my emotions and my feelings. I'm not afraid to cry in front of people. I remember the first date I had with Christina, my girlfriend, uh, I drove her back to the train station. Uh, she was here. Our first date was actually four days here in the cabin. Uh, so when I drove her back, we did this, um, I don't want to say quiz, but like it was, I think it's called like 36 questions or something. There's a famous 36 questions that you can take to know a friend better or a colleague or a yeah, partner or whatever. Uh, and I think like ask uh, question 22 was like, oh, what was it? Um, how is your relationship to your mom or something like that? And then I explained what I felt uh, thankful for with my mom. And I just started crying my eyes, eyes out in front of my date in the car. Um, so I'm very much okay with crying. But I think the fear of going to therapy and talking about it was only there before I actually went. Because when I've been to therapy, I just almost started every conversation with like, hi, I'm Kalle, I'm going to therapy. Because that was, I was so proud that I was actually doing something. Um, and that's not very, you know, uh, it's very egocentric to just like introduce yourself that you're going to therapy. Um, but I felt very proud of taking that step. And I think you shouldn't be ashamed of it at all, even though it is a kind of a taboo, especially for men, as you said, because it feels like, oh, you're, you can't deal with your emotion as a man. Come on. Uh, but I think it's the manliest thing you can do is actually giving into that and actually seeking help. Yeah. Cause you're taking ownership of your problems. You're taking ownership of your life and, and understanding that you do need help. You are, uh, you, you are taking control of the situation by asking for help, uh, so yeah, that's that's quite powerful. And so fast forward to today, what does life look like today in this cabin in the middle of the woods compared to life in the city? Yeah, that's very different. Um, I am very much in love with my life right now. Um, as I, yeah, as you know now, we live in this cabin, uh, and when I say we, it's me and my girlfriend since one and a half years ago. 
we've been together for yeah almost we've been talking at least for since two years ago and we've been a couple for yeah in february it will be two years um and that was a big change because i said i have everything i want in this lifestyle now i just want someone to share it with so that was like a big big change um but it's as many people know it's challenging to be in a relationship as well i talked about this in my own podcast and my youtube channel that is like i thought i had everything under control when i went to therapy like oh i'm gonna be this perfect boyfriend in my next 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 relationship and i'm gonna be this you know higher version of myself and then <laughs> my girlfriend moved in and i realized like oh shit i have a ton of work to do still uh because i haven't been confronted with a new person until that point um so she helped me realize a lot of stuff is still there and it's probably always going to be there because it's a part of me um but yeah we live in this cabin we have now two uh, siberian huskies um with living with us and we both work with youtube full-time uh, she also has a woman circle but she do uh, yeah she has an online community i would call it where she like a lot of the things you talk about but actually focused on women instead because she's an educated hormone therapist and sexuologist so she's very educated in that area so she has that kind of a niche and but we both do filmmaking and we love this simple life even though it's very very demanding sometimes and it's one of the most demanding things right now for us is actually we're both working from home constantly we have the same kind of work um so when i do this kind of interview with you i need the dogs to be quiet and usually she takes them out and when she has a live stream i need to be outside because the room you seeing right now behind you is basically the only only room we have we have a kitchen the other way but that's it so i usually sit here where i'm sitting now and she's sitting on the table behind me so it's a very small space and it's we're on each other constantly which is nice but it can also be very challenging yeah for sure uh, you did speak about that in one of your podcast episodes where uh, both of you were speaking and you're answering questions from people in terms of what it's like to uh, be in each other's space every single day and obviously you've got a very good relationship to be able to withstand each other over this period of time in such a in such a, a small environment and this is perhaps one of the biggest challenges that came from uh, the lockdowns and, and COVID-19 is that um, yeah, men yeah. and women had to spend more time in the house together more than ever. And because of that, a lot of the flaws or a lot of the issues within the relationship started to surface. And so there's actual, it's actually quite powerful to, to spend more time with your significant other to allow the issues to come up and the insecurities or, or struggles to come up and to voice them and to finally deal with them instead of you running off to work to your office or, or your space and she's running off somewhere else and then evening time comes and you're watching Netflix and then you just get into bed and sleep and you do it all over again the next day whereas uh, the lockdowns as difficult as they were did bring a lot of opportunity in terms of um, harnessing the strength of a relationship or else perhaps understanding that the relationship is not as as good as it seems and uh, that you're perhaps better off not spending time together in these sort of spaces so you're but you're doing that every single day so um you know exactly what i'm what i'm talking about and you're obviously still together and very seem very strong and happy together which is is great to see and yeah so 
at the same time, as you say, you, you've got a lot of work. It's not that you're just chopping wood for the fire every single day and, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, out there hunting, hunting a bear to, to eat. It's there's, there's actual, you work with YouTube, as I mentioned, you've got a very successful YouTube channel. And as I said, go and check it out people. So how did that happen? How did the, where did YouTube fit into all this? Cause I know it's, it's quite new. I did see a post on your Instagram there saying that last year you just over like 600 followers. Now you have over 100,000 followers, which is incredible. So how did that come to be? Yeah, that was a major shift. Um, I've always liked filming. I've always had a camera in my hands. Uh, I also worked with filmmaking a bit when I lived in Stockholm, taking clients and stuff. So I had the filmmaking part very like a stable ground. I wasn't very, very good at it, but I have a very stable ground. And I have a bachelor's degree in audio engineering and sound design and music production. So I have that kind of editing and um, yeah, editing background. So I had a very a lead on a lot of people if you can call it that like compared to if you're just starting fresh never hold the camera never hold the microphone before um i had a few youtube videos on my own before but then i had a um i had a podcast recording with a girl called jonna jinton she's basically done the same thing as i have but she's done it for way longer uh, when i did this transition a lot of newspapers around here called me the uh, the male version of John and Jinton, uh, so, which is very much true. Um, but thanks to her, I also switched over to talking English in my videos instead of Swedish. And she was like, switch now. Uh, it's going to be like, don't wait. Uh, so I made a transition over to English and that made all the difference. Uh, I did a few videos for maybe six or seven months, I think. But then that summer... I was sitting down and thinking like, okay, I have really good content. I have a really good story to tell. Like, but the thing that is obviously missing is the audience, uh, like a way bigger audience if you're going to make this work. So I sat down with my friend Oscar and we made like a strategic, almost business plan. Like, okay, how can I make this into more of a actual income? Uh, and I also asked my girlfriend, is it okay if I actually go for this for a while and see if it can, can work? Uh, so I started uploading a YouTube video every week, which was, <laughs> it was so much work, uh, because we're not just like putting up a camera and hitting record and telling a story, but like out filming the drone shots, filming most of my videos take a week to film almost, and then a week to edit. Uh, so it's not just hitting record, like a lot of say, uh, tutorial videos, tutorial videos on YouTube and stuff. Um, but since I made, uh, that what do you call it commitment of actually going after one video a week that really increased my audience like slowly people started picking up a bit and then in september or something then i've spent all summer just nerding out about out youtube and i still do i can't stop thinking about youtube i really love it um my girlfriend has to say to me constantly like can we can we maybe talk about something else than work <laughs> in youtube because my brain goes there automatically um so i really studied youtube for a lot of months applied what I learned. Um, and one tip I can give you guys listening, if you want to do something similar, is just be very honest in front of the camera. Be yourself. Add the bloopers. Add you fucking up. Um, add miss Yeah. Add you. Because that's it's, on, it's only one of you. So that's what I did. And that really, really took off. One of my videos just went skyrocketing. So I went from what you said, 
600 uh, something subscribers to over 100,000 in eight months or something. Uh, the first 70,000 came in in like three months. So it went very quickly and it was very overwhelming because like from having a few thousand watching to, you know, 100,000, that's quite overwhelming. Like, um, so I had to take a lot of time um, to try to slow down as well because there was so much information coming in. And my girlfriend saw that I was stressing out way more than I should. So it was like getting an audience from out of nowhere. I really wanted the audience, but it was also very tough to handle because I wasn't, I hadn't prepared myself for the success. Um, so that's kind of a funny thing that's like, even though a lot of people, I think is preparing for like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do to make my YouTube videos. This is what I'm going to do to in advance my career. But are you actually ready from when that, you know, hit comes and you actually make it? That's a, a lot of things to go through to talk to your friends or in therapy about as well, like preparing yourself for actually receiving that kind of audience or a higher responsibility at work or yeah, wherever, whatever it may be. That's it. Exactly. I mean, we're, it's in our nature as well to always push forward and progress and to become better and do better and make more money and be more successful. But, uh, within all of the success and all the money and all the, all the glitz and glamor as well, there's still problems there. There's still stress. There's still pressure, maybe more than ever as you've experienced yourself. So, uh, yeah, that's a very important point that you make that you're actually prepared for the success. You know, we're often taught to prepare for the failure and, and learn from the failures, but you also have to learn how to deal with the success as well and make sure you've got the tools and strategies in place to be able to uh, make the most of that success and that it doesn't drag you back down, uh, to where you were at the beginning. So, uh, and I, I think that's what happens to a lot of people. They become too overwhelmed with the, uh, what, what the work, what the success, what the, demands of other people obviously youtube you've i'm sure with all those subscribers you get a lot of messages and comments and and feedback and uh, even responses through your email from a lot of your subscribers so you've got to again keep up to date with all that too so you that that's a a new and bigger problem perhaps but a better problem as well i'm sure so absolutely i think if i would fill my actual life that's basically me in front of these screens a lot of hours of the day trying to answer emails, sponsorships, uh, editing the video, editing the podcast, searching for new podcast guests, uh, trying to find out the new title for my next video. Um, it's not just me shopping wood, even though I do that, but it's like, it looks more fun to watch, I think, a guy shopping firewood and going to walk, uh, walk the dogs in the forest or something than me just sitting and hammering my, my keyboard for eight hours a day. Yeah. So it's fine. It's fun. And it's also challenging to find a balance of that, like screen time and outside work, because I really, really do like my work. Like even I, if I wake up a bit too early some mornings when the dogs are just moving into bed or something, it's five o'clock. I was like, oh, I can go down and edit maybe a bit, like sneak down because I really, really do enjoy it. So I need to control that behavior in myself sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the discipline to, to rest as well as the discipline to work. So yeah, and on that point, what does your typical day look like right now? Can you give us a bit of an insight. Yeah, we have a um, kind of a routine in the morning now, I would say. The, we go down together from the upstairs where we're sleeping, and then we have at least half an hour off like screens. We haven't looked at the clock. We have no phones, no yeah, Wi-Fi turned on or anything. 
And then we just grab a cup of tea in front of the fire or we start a fire and then we sit down and drink some tea uh, for half an hour. And then I usually take the dogs for a walk about half an hour to an hour. And she does some, some morning training. Like it could be stretches or just, uh, yeah, some kind of workout to just get the body started. Um, and then we head back that I head back to the cabin, meet her up and she started breakfast. We sit down and eat together. And then we start working with the, whatever it may be, because like, it's a kind of a balance there as well, because all the stuff that needs to be done out here, like shopping the wood or um, now repairing the roof and stuff like that, that needs to be filmed as well. So everything takes at least the double of time. Like if I need to uh, yeah, put some renovations work on the roof, I need to put the camera up first and climb up, then do some work for like maybe 30 seconds. Then I need to climb down from the roof, change angle, grab the camera with me up record again and then roll out the thing and then have a nail and record from a different angle. So <laughs> everything takes so much longer. Yeah. So we need to decide sometimes like, okay, is this just a renovation or is this actually something I'm going to film as well? Because I usually say this on my live streams and everything else that it's a very big difference of filming a cozy evening and having a cozy evening. Because if you were filming us having a cozy evening here in front of the fire or having dinner, the food is probably going to get cold and we're quite stressful about the, all the angles and everything. It's, it looks exactly like it should be on, like we do in a normal life, uh, actual cozy evening. But if we're going to make it look cozy on, on a movie, it, it needs to be, have extra lighting from the background. Uh, we need to change angles several times. Uh, we need to retake sometimes. Um, so we need to decide like, okay, is this just a cozy evening for us dinner, like date night, or is this actually date night? on a youtube video yeah yeah it's uh it's cozy but it's work as well and then you have to then you have to act as though you're comfortable and cozy as well isn't it so <laughs> although you might be quite stressed yeah but that's actually quite natural now now we learn to be in front of the camera so now we just actually find a good angle make it look cozy as it should be and then hit record and then just actually continue eating and talking like we should uh, so that is actually not that much acting so yeah yeah that's nice that we come to that stage that's good and then what of uh so you've you've transitioned from the city you're you're living in the middle of the woods as you said in, in a very small cabin uh completely in touch with nature fair to say as well what are some of the biggest lessons that you've taken from this journey so far in, from your own perspective hmm that would that would be i think to the realization that a lot of things is actually possible. Um, and if you have the urge of trying something, yeah, like living in a cabin in the woods or quitting your job or yeah, dating a girl you've been looking at for a long time or whatever, like the worst thing that could happen if you actually do try it is that you fail. And if you do fail, the worst scenario would be you going back to just at the point you were started at. And, you know, that's not too bad. So for me, like moving from the city, to the cabin it's like okay worst case scenario i don't like the cabin life i don't like the lifestyle i don't like to be alone worst case scenario i move back to my parents for a few months uh, i move back to the city in my own apartment to find a job again and try to a new angle so re that's one of the biggest things from i took at least from my own perspective in this lifestyle that like it doesn't hurt to try at least you have nothing to lose really mm -hmm. um so that was one of the big, biggest thing. And then, like we talked about earlier, trying to, trying to embrace the silence as well. 
um, be okay that you don't have to bring your phone to the to the toilet. You don't have to always have a podcast going. You don't always have to have a TV going on in the background. Just try a few, like half an hour, an hour here and there, just complete silence. You don't need to sit and meditate. Just do what you normally do, but with no sounds and no disturbance. Because that's it's interesting what pops up in your head when it actually gets time to breathe. Uh, I get my best thoughts when I'm out running without any headphones or anything. Um, just I have I actually have to have a notebook with me because I get so many ideas just flooding through. Um, I need I know I should be focusing on the running, but it's like when creativity hits, it's hard to uh, to stop it. But yeah, embracing the silence and realizing that that uh, is really healthy for you, even though it can be scary. I think that's a lot of. A lot of the reasons why people don't go to therapy because they're so afraid of what's going to pop up. And same thing with silence. If you're alone and you turn off the radio or turn off the podcast or TV or video games, what's going to pop up? But try to embrace it. It might be something that you're going to learn a lot from. Yeah, I can definitely vouch for that too. And a lot of us don't make that space for silence anymore because we're completely bombarded with distractions we have a distraction there in our pockets at our hands 24 hours a day such as the phone social media emails all the rest like there's the porn sites all these sort of things are are always there to distract you from from yourself or from whatever's going on within you and definitely creating the silence in the outside world only turns up the volume in the inside world within yourself and that you sometimes you just need to make room and create space to listen to that and that's one of my that's part of my morning routine i go to the lake and uh, sometimes it's just quite dark it's obviously uh, in silence and that's where i do my journaling i can allow myself to to hear what i'm what i'm feeling or, or feel what i'm feeling and hear my thoughts and and start writing about it and that's that's been my absolute game changer in my life and it's something i recommend cool. every man does have you done it on like is it pen and paper you do it with Pen and paper, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, yeah. Obviously, if if it was digital, it would be my phone, and that'd be uh, counterintuitive to what I'm trying to achieve. Because you pick up the phone to write a note, and you're still on your phone half an hour later, and you're still you're yeah. scrolling through social media or watching YouTube or something else. So, uh, pen and paper, I think, is there's something about pen and paper that's a little bit more powerful than just uh, typing it out on a on a phone or on a laptop. So, uh, yeah, that's been a, a big game changer for, in my life. Uh, journaling in peace and in silence, and just cultivating that that space for myself to to check in with me before I check in with everyone else before I check in with the world. And yeah, and you're lifestyle is very appealing uh the peace and the tranquility that comes with it but obviously it doesn't come without its challenges is there anything that you miss from the city life the town life that you know that that you don't have now or you'd like to have i would say having a bit of more closeness to my family actually they're six hours away from here uh, we just came back here to the cabin yesterday. We spent four or five days at my mom's and my sister's, which was absolutely lovely. And just, you know, hanging out with them, eating good food, you know, taking a normal shower, using their washing machine, like luxuries like that. Yeah. Um, but having them a bit closer would would be magical. But I know they're not probably going to move south either. 
but at, at the same time, this is why I chose this lifestyle of the work I'm doing. Um, I didn't do it for like just pure, pure creativity or just money or something like that. It's like the possibility to say no to stuff. Like that's an amazing feeling I didn't have when I was living in a city. Like I had to be a nine to five job for me, at least when I, when I was living there. Uh, and I couldn't say like, just call my boss the morning. Like, no, I don't feel like coming in. Um, but today I can just, okay, I can actually push the video and then do it next week. And I can go to my family for five days and not have any responsibilities about work or anything so that's was the like the biggest improvement for me actually going after something like this it doesn't need to be youtube or anything but just being able to say no that worked really well with the the lifestyle i wanted to have and christina my girlfriend has the same thing so we can just leave everything in a one hour notice and then yeah come back when we feel like it yeah you've got complete control over your over your life it's uh yeah that's that's quite powerful i can again relate to that too um and a lot of people are being controlled by their bosses being controlled by society even being controlled by their uh, parents expectations of them in life and uh feel quite trapped in those situations but there comes a time when you need to ask yourself some difficult questions and whether this is the kind of life you want to live and obviously all these things come with a cost they come with a price you pay the price of leaving the city, moving far, further away from your, from your family. Um, and so there's a price to every decision you made, but you're reaping the, the benefit. You're, you're having a fair return on your investment for the, the price you've paid. And of course, I'm sure before you, before you moved, you, you weighed up the pros and cons of, of this move. And for a lot of people, I think that's a very useful thing to do as well. If you feel like you're stuck in a rut or you're stuck in a certain situation that isn't adding value to your life, then it may be time to uh, reevaluate your situation right now and come up with a strategy or plan to move move beyond it. So, yeah, you'd agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually made a column on uh, when it, when we talked to therapy before. I made a plus and a minus column on what's like even sides within me I liked and what I didn't like. Same thing there, like evaluating like, okay, what can I actually take away from this list and what should I add more of? Um, evaluating yourself for a move like that or a breakup or you trying to quit your job like and it doesn't need to be like a hundred percent just on the plus side that's not that's gonna be that's not life same thing when it comes to relationship it's not gonna be perfect uh, we have this internal joke me and christina that we love each other to 95 percent because the rest of the five percent is kind of annoying sides and annoying habits and stuff and that has to be okay and when she do an annoying thing, I can just say like, okay, that's part of the 5% and that's fine. Um, so accepting that not all things are perfect, but I think it's a really good thing, as you said, trying to weigh the pros and cons um, and be okay that it's going to be maybe if it's 70, 30 to like the plus side. Um, and that's more than enough to just at least try it, whatever you're going for. Of course, because you only get one chance, isn't it? You only get one life to do it. So Exactly. Um, so what is... Just to close the podcast, what are what are some of your goals and aspirations going forward from this point? What what's next? Obviously, I'm I'm sure you're going to keep the YouTube channel going, uh, but for your own personal life and and moving forward, what's what's happening? Can you give us a bit of an insight? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to do it sounds maybe cheesy, but I want to do even more of what I love. Um, I want to find, I want to be better for myself to find a balance when it's work and when it's not. 
because I really truly love what I'm doing, so I can easily disappear into it. Uh, and I think for the sake of our relationship, I need to find that balance as well before it goes on after the wrong direction. But I think when it comes to like big plans, where I think a very good investment for our relationship in this place is building out so we can get the separate office house in some direction at least. So we can actually, you know, take the laptop. I'm going to work. See you at lunch. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be very helpful and very healthy for us as well. So that's one plan, uh, even though it's going to cost a lot of money, I think it's a good investment. And when it comes to YouTube channel and uh, business-wise, it's, yeah, try to grow it, but in a healthy way. Uh, and the same thing we we talked about in the beginning when you asked, is, is something, any tip I can give to people that is in a bad place? Like the same thing here applies to me that I need to ask for help. I can't do my YouTube channel. I can't do my podcast. I can't do my newsletter. I can't do this and this and this. And this. It's physically impossible for all the ideas that I have in my head. Um, so I'm going to start not hiring people, but at least start uh, getting some freelance help with when it comes to maybe the podcast editing or when it comes to uh, writing the newsletter or stuff like that, because I want to keep this growing. I want to keep this fun and I want to involve my friends uh, and yeah, people that I think is fun as well, because I think this has the, this has the possibility to be something even greater um, and i want to keep it growing but um i want to keep it in a healthy way as well it's a, a good a really really good book i read a few years ago and i reread it this year as well called company of one um if you're interested in that i would highly recommend reading that book it's like having a it could be a company of one when you're employed it can be a company of one when you're uh, self-employed like learning to be okay with it's not going to grow like constantly you're gonna if you're healthy about it you should reach a limit of like yeah this is a healthy limit but can i do something else maybe within these limits uh you don't need to stagnate mm -hmm. but i think that's my goal just doing more of what i uh, think is fun but try to be better at dropping my ego and getting help from others that's a <laughs> that's a big part for me in the future i think yeah especially when you've invested so much time and energy into it yourself and you've kind of built it up on your own to this point. Uh, mostly it's difficult to start delegating some of that to other people. Um, that there's perhaps uh, that you've got to trust others that they can uh, provide for you as well. And obviously this gives you some time and energy back in your life to, to focus on other things. So yeah, that the power of delegation is, is so important. So uh, Kelly, this has been an absolute pleasure and I look forward to to uh, watching you continually grow your YouTube and, and your journey going forward. I'll be I'll be certainly keeping in touch. And for anybody listening to the podcast who wants to get in touch, where are the best places to reach out to you if they wanted to or to find you? Yeah, everyone can reach out whenever they want to. Um, the best place I would say is Instagram. Actually, yes, that's my just my name, Kalle Flodin. And as you said in the beginning, to me, that's the links is going to be in the description. So. Just write me if you have any thoughts, ideas, or feedback, or just want to say hi. That's perfectly fine as well. Cool. Yeah, the uh, the links will be below in the show notes. So go check it out. And you do have a link tree there as well that um, brings you to your YouTube channel and your podcast and everything else. So go and check it out, people. Uh, this has been an absolute pleasure. And I look forward to talking. Yeah, thank to you. you for having me on. Very welcome. Thank you for your time. And I look forward to uh, speaking to you again in the near future. Yeah, me too. Have a good have a good one. Okay.